Blog Talk Radio.
folks like Rachel Doziel, self-IDing as a woman, even though she is born to two white parents. We have a group of people in the Dominican Republic who self-ID as Hispanic, even though they're in the Caribbean. Something to think about. So a little bit about Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show uh, featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. And there is no greater time than now to build that great bridge because we are not a united America. The people in America are not united. The original sin that has plagued America since before it was the United States of America has festered, has boiled over, has infected many, still infected many, and is causing harm unto death of many to this day, as we saw with the massacre in South Carolina. We are not a united country at this moment. We are not a united people. But we're going to talk, hopefully, about some things that can help bring some unity to this country as well as to black people. So that gives you an overview of some things that we're what we're going to talk about today, what this show is about, it comes here every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. for those of you who listen out east, and I hope that we do get our East Coast listeners today because I have a lot to talk about, and I want you all to share in. And I hope that you will, and you can call in at 347-826-9600. That's area code 347-826-9600. Zero zero three four seven eight two six nine six zero zero. Press pound when you would like to chat. That way I'll know from a signal that I get on the uh, mixer board or that the engineer will get on the mixer board. Uh, we're both here. And that will let us know that there's somebody out there that wants to say something. And I hope that you all have a lot of something that you want to say today because there's so much that's happened that deserve things said about it. But more than deserving things said about it, it deserves some things done about it. You know, we can talk about what others should do and what others shouldn't do. But ultimately, when it comes right down to it, it's what do we do? It's really what do we do? Now, today, see a whole lot of shopping going on, maybe some queuing going on because we just celebrated or we will be celebrating Father's Day tomorrow. Yesterday was Juneteenth. I know many folks are having their celebrations and remembrance ceremonies today. Usually it involves food, and usually it's a cheerful time because Juneteenth should be a cheerful time. It, Juneteenth of today commemorates what happened on June 19th of 1865 in Galveston, Texas, when General Granger stood on, in the other hotel, the hotel that he was staying in, 
and announced to all that would listen, including the enslaved blacks, that they were free. And that from henceforth, their relationship with their with their former slave owners, if they decided to stay, would be as employer and employee. Means they're getting paid. That's right. That happened on June 19, 1865. And the reason why that's significant is because there was a whole bunch of Independence Day, July 4th, that has been celebrated. But we know that even though this country was founded on the principles of freedom, independence, the inalienable rights of every man, we know that there was one group of men, one group of people, both male and female, who were enslaved by many of the doling divergence of America, its freedom and its independence, and the new world order that it set in place to many of those Africans, the vast majority of them, the same order was in place that was in place before, and that was their servitude to those people who were claiming freedom and independence. So June 19, 1865, yes, a very important day in African-American history, and since African-American history is American history, a very important day in American history because that's when the slaves were told that they were free, June 19, 1865. The Emancipation Proclamation had actually been gone into effect in 1863, January 1st. The war had already been over. by almost a couple of months. It ended in April of 1865. So not only did they not hear of their freedom from the Emancipation Proclamation for over two years, but then even after the war was over, they gave all slaves their freedom. They still didn't find out until two months after that. And when you put this in perspective, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed September 22nd in 1862. But those folks in Texas, those Africans, those enslaved people in Texas, the black man, the black woman, weren't told officially by the government that they were freed until June 19th. Yesterday at the gathering, we talked about what? A little trivia. They said it was called Freedom Day. It was also called Emancipation Day. Yes, Emancipation Day. Freedom. Some people even call it Jubilee Day or Day of Jubilee because that's when the people were free. So that day is very important to us and it should be recognized as such and celebrated. And I hope that you all had taken some time yesterday or will take some time this weekend to maybe share some history with your family members, your children, your friends, 
your parents even, on the significance of June 19th and the history that was made on June 19th, 1865. June 19th, 1865. I was, as I was saying that, I was thinking about how much money was made off of those slaves then. In just those two months, how much money was made off of those slaves? Is there any way to get it back? And as we talk about slavery and Juneteenth, which is really freedom, you know, this show is about spreading freedom, spreading our voices, your voice. And there's a lot of voices that's been silenced this week by a heinous act, a hate crime. Others call it a terrorist act. Well, we're going to talk about that here shortly. But before then, let me introduce to you my co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas. Welcome to the show, Angela. Hey, Rodney. How are you, sister? I know you're down there in Texas, in, uh, I believe, uh, Austin, Texas, where Juneteenth is probably getting a little more press there than it is here. Uh, for many of you who don't know, Angela is visiting Austin, Texas, Texas is a place where Juneteenth is uh, what originated, really. Uh, it was with those slaves who were notified of, of their freedom that started Jubilee Day. And it then spread to Louisiana and Mississippi and a little bit of Arkansas. And then it, it's still spreading because it's still not celebrated uh, all over this nation. Angela, are you, are you up? Yes. I am. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> tried to find a quiet place. It wasn't so quiet. But, um, yes, I am in lovely Austin, Texas, the uh, capital of, of the great state of Texas. Wow, what a, what a great um, city. What a fantastic time they've shown us. You know, it's very rare for us Las Vegans to go somewhere and experience uh, other hospitality and feel that it's, you know, it's really on par with uh, what we what we try to have folks experience when they come to Las Vegas. But I have to say, Austin, Texas has been outstanding. I'm guessing there's plenty of uh, barbecue going on. And what types of celebrations, <laughs> what, what, are, what are they actually doing down there? Uh, for Juneteenth, they've done. Uh, they're doing a parade today. Uh, there was the Miss Juneteenth um, pageant um, yesterday, and part of it is today. And they're competing for scholarship money. And some of the other things that uh, I am going to partake in tomorrow. There is a um, museum exhibit of, uh, I'll put the link on our Facebook page uh, I want to say it's the Briar uh, Gallery they have a wonderful exhibit 
going on that uh, encapsulates 400 years of black history. It's put on by the Austin Austin uh, Quilting Society, and they've teamed up with a number of organizations to put this uh, extensive gallery uh, experience, interactive gallery experience together. So I'm looking forward to going to see that. We're going to enjoy that tomorrow. Um, tonight is, I'm here. Uh, I guess I should talk a little bit about why I'm here. I am here as a, uh, to participate in the Blogging While Brown conference, which is a conference for bloggers, African-American, uh, Latino bloggers, and uh, we've just been covering everything in the blogosphere, how to uh, make your blog and make your media outlet as successful as it possibly can be. I just uh, today listened to a wonderful uh, lunchtime conversation with uh, the head of NBC Black, um, her name is Amber, and really I, I had no idea about NBC Black, and I, I probably wouldn't have I experienced it had I not come to Blogging Walk Brown, Austin, Texas, 2015. So I'm here for the conference. Tonight is the the Webby Awards, where uh, one of our very own, Rodney, uh, one of our very own Las Vegas uh, bloggers uh, has won for uh, Best Inspirational Blog. So we'll have her on the show at a future, you know, at a future date to talk about her uh, blog and her blogging Bob Brown experience here in Austin, Texas. She and I are holding wow. it down for Vegas. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's uh, you just made news, Angela. Not sure if you're aware of that. <laughs> I try. Uh, not just uh, like Yoda said, no try, and you just did it. Yeah. Wow. I. I can hardly wait to find out who it is. Absolutely. I I can't wait to uh, tell you guys more about um, Blogging While Brown. And uh, if you want to check it out for yourself, go to bloggingwhilebrown.com and look at the content, look at uh, the schedule of events that that have gone on and are going on now. with this conference, and, you know, but there was some value-added uh, things like uh, our awesome excursion last night. Um, we, we were just blessed with so much information uh, from uh, a husband and wife team that their blog uh, is uh, very prominent uh, blog about your favorite subject, Rodney Block Marriage. And oh, wow. Ronnie, well, hey, I need to get a copy of that. They do, they do blackandmarriedwithkids.com. And when I tell you, uh, their, their, uh, their keynote today was the million-dollar blog formula, but what they did last night was so phenomenal with blessing us with information and uh, e-books and all um, things of that nature that serve to not only inform you but just enlighten you on uh, how important 
your voice is. You know, we say it all the time here on our voices, uh, how important black media is and how important um, delivering news and information about community, getting super hyper local. Uh, because folks may not know that the young lady that was uh, – over that's over NBC's Black, one of her favorite story submissions recently was about a Oprah Fest festival in Arkansas. I think she said it was. I think it was Arkansas. Uh, but she loved getting, you know, pieces like that. Um, she They're doing a series on NBC Black uh, called Young, Gifted, and Black, and they talk about the... Uh, San Francisco Giants, they have an African-American woman announcer. That's a story I wasn't aware of. I'm not a big sports fan. I'm certainly uh, not a fan of the National Baseball League in in light of the fact that they they just recently canceled their Caucasian Heritage uh, Day. I'm really kind of amazed that in 2015 we're – doing things like that, but okay. Um, Wait a minute. But I, I, I didn't even really know they had a it. Caucasian American. Can, can you repeat that again, Angela? A Caucasian American Heritage Day in the National Baseball League. Huh. Who knew? Huh. Yeah, I didn't know about it until they can't. I learned uh, today that they canceled it. Okay, again, you broke news. I, you know, I try to stay up on stuff that you're educating me now. So, you know, this is what I'm, the things I'm saying and trying to rattle off uh, very quickly because I have to go back into another session, but this is why it's important for us to keep doing things like the gathering. It's important for us to uh, put together our own tech um Event. When I get back, I'm going over to the Innovation Center and I'm going to talk to them at CSN about doing a tech conference because we need to blog while blog. We really do. And it's this uh, gathering of information about what's going on uh, with our community from a national, regional, and local and hyper-local perspective that um, we we should be more vigilant about and how to help syndicate your voice even further. Uh, we're podcasters here, uh, Rodney. I, I, I was blessed with so much information. I thought I knew a lot of information about podcasting, but I'm, I'm going back with so much more information germane to the topic of podcasting and and how to um, get our numbers up even further than the 100,000 listeners listens that we've been blessed to have thus far. And that's important because folks need to have the information. Well, I'm looking forward to you coming back, your return, and maybe we have to get a special event for you to share what uh, you've been able to uh, gather while you're down there because it sounds like it's some good stuff. Absolutely. And, you know, we get so much, we we take so much black for, uh, you know, 
are getting together and being a festive people and, you know, kind of focusing a lot on entertainment and parties and things of that nature. I've been uh, here since Wednesday, and uh, we were supposed to go out and experience some of Austin from a party perspective last night because it is the live music capital of of the world, they say. And uh, I have to say, so many people, the majority of folks here were just sitting around not partying, sharing information, exchanging cards, no music on, um, and just fellowshipping. It was a lot. It was very akin to to church, so I I can't uh, think of any other way to kind of describe the experience that I've had here uh, with blogging while Brown, other than, you know, it's just been nice to uh, sit back and share information I have. You just don't realize how much you, how much you know that you don't think anything of it, but it's huge to someone else. And how to go about packaging that? How to go about um, amplifying that? How much, you know, just information we have in our mental rolodex that is not for sale. Just here you go. Take this piece, and I hope it connects with your other pieces and you guys blow the heck up. Let's blow each other up. Let's magnify one another's voices. Yesterday I sat in on a session for a, a young, done by a young woman, but uh, her outlet is, uh, let me get it right, I don't want to miss COVID. TeachGoodStuff.com, and that's Ms. Jennifer Kennedy. Um, she showed you how to go about putting together your webinars, your seminars, your all your digital uh, education platform um, things. So, you know, she on her site she has worksheets and workbooks that she designed herself. She came up with the content. She came up with the layout. She came up with the theme. And it was based off of sound research that she had received from folks that, you know, have come into her sphere and were uh, trying to develop content digitally to package and sell. So uh, these aren't just willy-nilly worksheets pulled out of someone else's space. This is stuff that she's researched, designed, and implemented, and she's showing you on teachgoodstuff.com how to do it also. So it was teachgoodstuff.com? Yes, teachgoodstuff.com. That's Ms. Oh, Jennifer teach Kennedy. Teachgoodstuff.com. Teach, yes. Uh, last night we had uh, Grammy Award winning uh, gospel artist Lecrae. Um, sitting down and having a, a conversation about iChurch uh, iChurch uh, method uh, how to be mobile and use that to amplify your platform is music and um, being a good Christian so 
you know, we were blessed with information by somebody who was being as successful as, as, as you could possibly want to be in music. He's won Grammys. <laughs> but, it, you know, that's the Oscar of the music business, right? And, you know, to hear from him directly in a, in a very intimate environment on uh, some of his best practices of how he grew his ministry through digital. He's one of the most prolific uh, digital artists out right now. There are even uh, secular artists that come to him for advice and expertise on how he strategizes, strategically puts together his digital model. So, you know, it's just great information. Mm, it sounds like it. Well, again, it, uh, I'm glad that you're there representing the rest of us. And just like Sister China went to China, uh, excuse me, Sister China went to Africa and brought back her experiences of that, so the whole community can share in it. I look forward to you coming back to Las Vegas and sharing some of this wonderful information that you've received uh, down there, because it sounds like it's an opportunity to not only uh, expand our voices but it's also an opportunity to increase our pocketbook. Absolutely. That's the wonderful thing about uh, this conference for me is that it really was about the business behind blogging, behind uh, podcasting, and and quite frankly behind mobile and digital. Uh, So often we see these uh, success stories like uh, blogging while down, Awesomely lovey, we consume this content, but we don't uh, know a lot or we don't know enough about the strategies that you know you use to um, make this a, a great business that um that it could be for uh, you and your family to see. I can't tell you how inspired I was today to be blessed by a husband and wife team, married with kids, um, blackmarriedwithkids.com. But to see them up there as a husband and wife um, functioning, highly functioning in the digital landscape, uh, in this ultra-competitive landscape, and so often, you know, dominated by communities that don't look like us, to see them up there being successful and, and giving real deal members. I mean, they told how much money they made um, and how they went from 14000 to 74000 in a year. In a year. So, you know, it's, it's just been a great experience. I hope that uh, those within my hair, the, the, the Reaching my voice will join me here next year, and um, we all can uh, go back to our prospective communities and talk about and, and, and grow our, our businesses. Diane, so what was the name of that uh, one website with uh, married, black, married, and? Black and married with kids.com. If you want to be successful and married, you probably want to go to their website because they have a number of prominent uh, 
DVDs and documentaries on successful marriages. They have e-books. I have a lot of tools to help you um, be successful in one of the uh, most important relationships in your life, your marriage and, and, and your and with your with the rearing of your children. Uh, I can't think of anything um more front and center right now uh in the country's uh focus with the tragedy that took place in South Carolina this week. It has put on the front burner all you know, on the front burner for all of us how important it is to um Engage with your family and, and, and just be blessed by uh, having a strong family unit. I wanted to take this opportunity to say how heavy my heart is um, to watch the um, tragic loss of my magnificent folks in, in uh, South Carolina and Hearing each individual story was um, it's just a lot. It's just overwhelming situation, and um, to be here with all of these black voices uh, that dealing news about our community is such a uh, it it, did, it it has taken on on a few occasions a, a somberness. But it just um, made it more pronounced to all of us here in attendance this year how important it is for us to um, maintain, develop, and grow, uh, develop and and, and, um, grow our our, um, black digital landscapes as, as far as we possibly can go because our stories are important. It's not just important to the uh, success and survival of our community. Um, it's also important that other communities see us. It's probably more important that other communities see us and hear our stories um, so that, you know, we can understand that we have more in common than not and that black people, brown people, have contributed so much to the rich history and culture that is America. Amen to that. You know, Angela, I know you got to get back into the uh, to the the conference. So just let me know how much time you have left, and I don't want don't want you running late and missing out because we want you to bring all of that information that they have down there. And folks, she's talking about blogging, and just think about because of this show right here that for those of you who are listening, you just heard some information about, first of all, a conference that maybe you weren't aware of. And, Angela, tell them what the name of the conference is once again. Blogging Wild Brown. We are in Austin, Texas for 2015, and, boy, has it been an enlightening uh, two days today as the close. We're going to close it out this evening with the uh, Webby Awards. And uh, I'm looking forward to... Uh, Experiencing their worship this evening, so um, the Black Web Blog Awards is the exact name of the worship. Oh, you know what, folks? Follow me on Periscope. Uh, I am Needle on Rec on Twitter. Follow my Periscope. 
I'm going to periscope live tonight from the web, uh, the Black Web Log Awards. So um, you can see for yourself, um, young, gifted, and black writers, uh, video bloggers, podcasters, um, standing in their greatness and, you know, um, celebrating platforms that we're all growing organically from our bedrooms and uh, small, teeny, tiny home offices, a lot of us, uh, to grow them into uh, powerful uh, platforms that black married with kids. You know, I, I thought I was talking, I thought I was listening to you talk a couple of times there, Rodney, with the husband. He was talking about uh, how they just recently made over a million dollars with their business. Um, and when he looked at his payroll, he looked at how many, you know, African-American families, his, he and his wife's small baby that started in their corner, in their little home. Um, and they talked about the sacrifices, too. They talked about, you know, getting out of debt and staying out of debt paying that car off, paying those credit cards off, uh, only having one purse because you you only need one anyway. <laughs> and uh, the wife, she was so cute. So she was like, I got one purse, and I'm getting tired of it too. But I know that those dollars are better spent in the business, in our business, because our business helps to feed other black families and don't be ashamed of that. Everybody else, every everyone else's community puts a focus on employing their own. There are tons of talented African Americans that could use your business. Don't be ashamed to hire them, to use them, and to refer them. Those are powerful words. And, you know, as a, the goal of my business, a media business was to do just that. I mean, really, that encapsulated was to help us to help amplify our individual voices as well as the voice of unity, but also provide a platform for other people, whether it's students who need internships who are black that don't normally get them, or whether it's for those budding writers and videographers out there who want to be able to showcase their work at the same time building this company up, and then as they move on to doing their own thing, hopefully still willing to collaborate with us and then bring them in the next group and then let that previous group, one, be an example, but also be able to reach back and share their experiences so that each uh, successive group, you know, kind of enhances the other. So, yes, that is exactly why our own voices came into being and also to help generate income in our community for our people by our people. Uh I mean, Angela, I, I was, I'm thank you for sharing the Periscope. And for folks who may not know what Periscope is, it's a, another social media uh, mechanism, utility, that is uh, came off the, I believe, the Twitter platform where you can go and live stream whatever it is, wherever you are. And Angela's been able to do some. I picked some of it up. Our Own Voices has a Periscope uh, account. And you will soon start seeing some live streaming from our own voices. Also look for video 
of some fashion from our own voices, our own voices live, our own voices TV. So we are on the move. We're staying to try. We're trying to stay in front of technology. Of course, that's a daunting task. But conferences <laughs> like this are important and will give you that information. So maybe you all might catch us. Uh, Angela, again, I know you got to go back in. Uh, so your time is is valuable to me as it is even more to you. Uh, if you do have time, can you share with us a little bit on what the atmosphere is with the knowledge of the massacre that happened in South Carolina? You know, yesterday I I, I am getting back to my hotel room, and, you know, every conference you, you go to, you go back to your hotel room, and you try to debrief, at least I do, and write down some notes while things are still at the top of your mind. What stood out most to me um, yesterday, uh, particularly, was we didn't have a a moment of silence until the end of the day. Lecrae actually led us uh, into a moment of silence. He and the uh, moderator asked for us to observe a moment of silence for the lives lost in uh, South Carolina. But what did impress me about the totality of the day yesterday was this was the quietest conference I'd ever been to. I mean, you could hear a school tea on cotton a lot of t- a lot of the time yesterday. It was, you know, even the, even the speakers and the moderators were talking very quietly, slowly, intensely, and it just for me it, it that that was something that I noticed. Um, Throughout the the conference, even today, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit more voluminous today. But this has been one of the quietest conferences I've been to, like ever. This probably is the quietest conference I've ever been to, and I do think that it's because we're all taking in uh, this occurrence. Uh, 14, was this the ninth one in, in Obama's presidency? And it's akin to the um, the bombing of the of the church in, in uh, Montgomery. Um, the bombing of the of the little girls. It's, it's akin to that. Uh, to lose um, so many magnificent individuals in a house of worship, a historic house of worship, and to hear that the gunman did that on purpose and was part of his messaging uh, is, needless to say, extremely disturbing and heartbreaking, and we're all struggling to try and figure out, as I talked with other bloggers um, yesterday and today, we're all struggling to try and, you know, um, process this and figure out how we're going to uh, talk about this with our audiences. So I'm happy that I'm a podcaster and, you know, my voice is the um, is the way in which I'm, I'm talking about it with our audience. Um, but, you know, I... I I'm struggling to figure out what words to use uh, in written form to um, really truly express the magnitude of 
a loss like this. Well, you know, this is a, a, a somber moment for our nation, for our people, and for the folks in South Carolina at such a historic church known for its rebellion against oppression. And I've wondered since this incident happened down there, did the individual, was he wise enough to know the history of that church? Uh, I don't know if you heard some accounts that uh, some from his friends, uh, one of them black, who said that he, the individual, I, I'm not using his name, but the individual who committed this massacre, this terrorist act, had told him and another that he was actually going to kill a bunch of people, shoot a bunch of people, but it was actually going to be at the college that's nearby. And the young man who was being interviewed, and this is what got me, and these words are very important. He said, I am surprised that he shot up the church, but I'm not surprised that he he did something because he told us he was going to do something. He was going to kill a bunch of people, and he was going to do it at the school. Now, as I'm watching the video and listening to the words coming out of that young man's mouth, and shortly about that same time, he was saying how he felt no differently about the man who slaughtered the people at the church. He also said that he did not feel that he was a racist. He said he didn't treat him any different than he treated his other white friends. And I made a post in Facebook is that parents, we really need to be more watchful of our children in what they're being taught and who's teaching them and how they are maturing. Because as I listened to that young black man talk about his white friend who treated him no differently than his other white friend, who he knows just massacred nine people in a historic black church, in a church, but was surprised because he did it in the church, but not because he did it. And he was expecting him to do it at the school. And does that run the same chills or some chills in you that is running, that are running through me? Absolutely. Um, That's been the, uh, for this occurrence, I have been traveling. So I'm only getting blurbs of it at the end of the day. So it's kind of like a briefing when I get back to my room or uh, get to a station, an airport or something, uh, where I can see what's what's going on with this uh, particular incident. Um, What's been interesting to me, what's been chilling to me is how many people he told he was going to do this and how many people he shared his ideas with. Um, we do have a campaign going on that is more germane to terrorism, but this is a terrorist act. If you see something, say something. And I just wonder, you know, not that this is the responsibility of this is squarely at this young man's feet, and he, he's taking full responsibility for it. He, he acknowledges I did this and I did this on purpose, and I'm not insane. Um we have got to believe people 
are telling us and showing us who they are. We have to believe them. That's what it's it's uh, circling back for me when when you see um, an individual that's showing you who they are. You you got to start believing them. You got to believe, not start, but you got to believe them. And I, I think uh, we don't we we're not doing that enough. And and maybe we need to start putting some reminders out there. First of all, you see something. Say something and believe people. They don't. That's a very unusual thing to make up idly. So even if it never comes to pass, to note it somewhere with someone in authority, you don't know whose family you may be saving. So you know, believe folks when they tell you that uh, they're about to do something trippy, crazy, even crazy to the rest of us. But, you know, they rationalized it out to themselves, and it made sense to them. Another thing that gave me chills with this incident is that this young man sat among them for an hour or more. And as he was slaughtering, as he was taking lives, others were trying to beg him not to. And... This morning, before I left my hotel, I had CNN on, and there was a clip of Martin Luther King talking about, uh, of course, he eulogized the three young girls that were bombed uh, in the in the church in, in Montgomery. Um, but the clip said, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing, um, it said that the black folks, with the good jobs that felt they didn't need to do anything other than go to work. They didn't have time to do any freedom fighting because they were busy at work. The black folks that did not, um, that knew about things and didn't do anything about it, that passively sat there and looked away are just as responsible as the men that put those bombs, trying to put the bombs together in Canada. Uh, they were just as responsible for the taking of the people's lives in that bombing. And uh, if you have not uh, gotten yourself together to do something in this freedom movement, you, you, you need to get to getting uh, and start, start your work. And I... I was taken aback by that clip uh, this morning. I, I just think it's, first of all, my first impression was that CNN was once again blaming the victim. They were going to use one of our iconic figures with these words, with, with those words out of, con, you know, that particular clip, not in its totality, just that clip, take, you know, it's taking it out of context and putting it, and embedding it in the context in which they wanted to present it. Uh, it was very telling to me that they used that clip to blame. It, it came off to me as if they were blaming the black community for what had happened to us the other day. And secondly, after I calmed down from that a bit, I took away from that 
that if Martin Luther King was saying that then and we were in the midst of a, a, the furious battle that I have benefited from my whole of life, the whole of my life, if he was saying that then, it's probably true now to some degree. And, you know, we got to let that one burn. But don't let it burn too long. we got to get to work. Mother Emmanuel, I have a grandson. Uh, I have two grandsons, Yeshaya and Mikael. Their father's from Hilton Hill, South Carolina. And Mother Emanuel Church is, you know, in Charleston. And I've, I've, I've been to Mother Emanuel Church. I knew about uh, that church being a part of the Underground Railroad. I knew about when Coretta uh, Scott King, after her husband was killed, she led a march from that church to um, to help um, working men and women gain a a, a fair wage. Um, we need to take a look at our oldest institution and not just just draw. Facebook inspiration from them. We need to go to our oldest institutions and reimagine what we can do to further equality and what does equality look like now. It doesn't I'm not talking about diversity anymore. We have got to get the message across that black folks have contributed to the fundamental root of this world. We are we are the cradle of civilization. So we need to tell this story from the Rudy to the Tutti, you guys. We got to tell this story. We cannot depend on other folks and other we can't keep saying it's other people's job to tell this. I met a blogger here who blogs about personal family history and puts it in the context of American history, how your personal family history can affect and has affected and is a part of American history. And she uses platforms like Ancestry.com to look up your auntie and them and how, uh, connect how her work in the AME Church led to the um, march on, on, the, on the Washington Monument, and there she is in the crowd, that type of work. Is important, and we need to get to work in putting systems in place so that we can start doing this ourselves, telling our story. Don't get me started. I'm all the way up on my platform now, but what a week to come to a conference like this. It is uh, impressing upon me how much more important it is to get to work continue to work and get these stories out here because our own voices is important. Well, Angela, thank you so much for sharing and taking your time away from the conference. Uh, today is a day that, you know, we're, we're sandwiched in between what should be celebratory occasions. We have Father's Day tomorrow. Uh, yesterday we had... Ju- Juneteenth. Yep. And 
then we're dealing with the tragedy of a massacre from a terrorist act of many whose maybe father was taken from them, a relative for sure, by one individual who happened to tell other people who didn't do anything about it that we are aware of because the act still happened. As best as I've been able to uh, gather, is the only difference is instead of it happening at the university where he said he was going to do, going to do it, he did it at the church. Uh, something else that I, I read today is that, and this is something that I had mentioned uh, when you and I initially spoke, and for some of his comments was about blacks taking white women and raping them and that type of thing. And okay. sure enough, a report has come out today from one of those who knew him that he was okay. And I'm still trying to track down more references up to this story, but, but it is printed now that from a family member that he was okay until about two years ago when the girl of which he had eyes for wound up choosing a black man or a black person over him. And it's a tragedy, yes. Is he mentally ill? Time will tell. But it does not change the fact that lives were taken, innocent lives were taken. And I heard some of my my peers, I'll call them that, talking about retribution. And for every one life of ours that's taken, we're going to go and take two lives of theirs. And I, and I stopped to think about that for a minute, and I said, well, which 18 lives are, are we going to take that? Because he was a lone individual who did this. So in order for us to carry out this, this stance of for every one of ours that's taken, we have to take nine of theirs. That means we have to go take 18 and probably 17 of them, unless we can, assuming that we can get to the actual perpetrator of this terrorist act, that means there'd be 17 innocent people lie. And suppose that they said that they want, they'll do the same thing. They'll take two for every one of theirs that we took, and then we lose 34. Well, first of all, the size of the morality of it, the reality of it is that that's a war of attrition that we would lose every time anyway. And then Angela, after the gathering yesterday, we had some folks who were interested in arming up. Now, we had been talking about uh, shooters clubs for some time, but yesterday it reached a fever pitch. And the irony that struck me was that we cannot find a black-owned gun store or gun shop in Las Vegas. And I thought about that, and I said, for this to happen, black people would have to take their hard-earned money and it was on a day when there was supposed to be a blackout, and go give their money to the white gun store owners, assuming that they would even sell us the guns, right? So that we could go and do whatever this thing is that some of these folks are talking about doing. And I just thought about the hypocrisy of it all. Now, I'm one who believes that we can defeat this with our minds, with our brains, not with guns. Guns are not the answer. Violence is not the answer. I do believe we should be able to defend and protect ourselves, and more of us should be in a position to do it. Hence the reason for the Gun Shooters Club. 
that I'm for 100%, Second Amendment rights and all that. But what I am not for, and yes, I'm going to say it here, and I know I see my listeners out there, what I am not for and what I will not advocate and what I will not support is for us taking on the mantle of our oppressor and our murderer and committing the same heinous acts against other innocent people as them under the guise that they probably did something wrong because that's what they've done to us. And that's what would give them license to do more of it to us, except then they would have, see, I told you so. This is who they really are. I know people, for some reason, have come against Dr. King and his peaceful movement, but I do believe that it's peace and us being the ones bringing the peace that will ultimately defeat this, along with economic empowerment and family development. There cannot be one without the other if we expect to change this and to elevate ourselves even as we struggle to eradicate this from our midst. It, it's a multi-pronged process. And Absolutely. I would say to all of my folks out there, let's build some economic infrastructure so that when we have a blackout day, we can actually have a blackout day where we go buy black. Because in Las Vegas, I needed gas yesterday. <laughs> what was I going to do? There's no black-owned gas station in Las Vegas. I mean, it's just simple things like that that we need. I hope that we will look at. That is where we should focus our energy, our power, because I know a lot of people have that nervous energy that I need to go do something. Well, open a book and read on how we can empower ourselves, how we can pass wealth on from one generation to the next, how we can... Be bloggers and make money from it and hold seminars from the knowledge that we do have as we spread it to others from the conference that Angela's attending right now. How to license out so much that we can do. Go ahead, Angela. Well, you know, along that line, along that track of, of thinking, I have the founder of Blogging While Brown here, and I'm, I'm not even going to delay the situation. I'm just going to put her right on, and our audience can hear right from the founder, the importance of black voices in media and how important it is economically to our community. Welcome to Our Own Voices Live. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so pleased to be here. Talk to us a little bit about what caused you to start blogging around. I started blogging around. I was um, a blogger, and as I was blogging, I got to meet other black bloggers, and there was a lot of complaints about Black bloggers not being recognized because when we started back in 2008, anytime they were talking about a blogger in the media or the press, it was a white blogger. And so I, would t- I told everybody at the beginning of the conference about an incident with Bill Clinton in his new office in Harlem, and he took a picture with all of these progressive bloggers, and none of them were black or brown people, but they were in the middle of Harlem where there's tons of black and brown people. Yeah, and so there's this, this kind of this concept that black people don't use technology, that we aren't involved in the Internet and that kind of thing. And so there were social media conferences and tech conferences that were starting to pop up for bloggers, but they didn't have black speakers. And there weren't a lot of black bloggers or black people of color in attendance. And so instead of asking them to add us to their lineup or begging people to take our money, I was like, build your own house. And and as people 
And by building our own house, we now have a base that people know where to find us, at the very least. And I don't know if you have an opportunity to look at our secret lineup. Um, you will see um, that we we have all of these women and all of these men, and all of them are people of color for the most part. And and other people say that they can't find these folks. And so what we do is we help teach uh, people who look like you and me how to tell their own stories on their own terms and keep up with technology and network. And we may not have a lot of financial capital, but we absolutely have human capital. Um, I want to thank you. This was my first blogging while brown, but it won't be my last. And I left here with, I'm leaving here with a wealth of encouragement and information, more importantly. I'm armed with knowledge, baby. I'm getting ready to go make my million. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get my blessing. So thank you so much for having me and having all of us here and, and creating this space for us to uh, grow our platform. All right. So there you have it from the founder of Blogging Wild Brown. Um, wow, and it's so nice important. that she would take the time out of her out of her conference to be on our own voices live, but that goes to show how much she believes in her concept. And I like what she said about well, build your own house. Okay, you know we spend a lot of time complaining about what we don't have access to, even though we can build it ourselves and then we can have it ourselves and run it how we see fit. I love that concept. And so you, if, if you get a chance, get a video interview, and we can throw that in the magazine too. I love the spirit of her because that's the type of thing, those are the types of things that we need to do to defeat this beast that has, has us constantly under its thumb and is constantly attacking us. Build our own house. Why pay to live in somebody else's? Think about that. So this applies to real life and our truer goals that we may be renting. Who are we nine times out of ten renting it from? Build your Absolutely. own house. Absolutely. Well, that was Gina McCurley, and just a dynamic speaker, and uh, she's the founder of Blogging Wild Brown and the uh, programming director. So it's been a plum cheese and pleasure, as they would say, to be down here in Austin, Texas, and be uh, in the midst of so much greatness uh, that she called to order. So I'm going to go get to the tail end of, of this session, and I just want everybody to have a blessed week, and I'll, I'll see you on the other side. God willing, and the creek don't rise. And if I don't float out of Texas, a lot of rain going on here still. So uh, I'll see you guys next week, Rodney. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Appreciate the interview. Well, ladies and yep. gentlemen, that's my co-host of Our Own Voices Live, Angela Thomas. We'll take a quick station ID. This is Rodney Smith, and that was my co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas, on Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. for those of you who live back east. And thank you so much for taking time out of your day, all of you, for joining us. Today our topic was the South Carolina Church Massacre. Uh, Father's Day is for men in the Dominican Republic Detention Centers. And uh, we kind of, because of the conference, we did want to let you know about that conference. Because I know many of you out there blog, whether it's uh, your radio blog or you have a traditional blog page. I know many of you blog and you're engaged in social media. This particular conference will help you hone your skills that Angela's attending, blogging while brown. But the, 
the part that is near and dear to my heart, besides making money, which is always close to my heart, is the importance of getting our word out, getting our message out from our mouths, from our pen, so that it truly is ours, unfiltered. We have to do that. And we have the means to do that today through blogging uh, and other social media utilities, their tools to be used, utilized. We can do that. Uh, 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. Press option one if you would like to join in the conversation because there's so much to talk about. I don't have my co-host, so I will be flying solo, and it would be nice to have another voice on here with me. Uh, there is a lot that we can do to help ourselves. The only real question it's when will we get started. And I have a caller. I'm going to bring him on. Stand by. Good afternoon. You're on Our Own Voices Live with Rodney and Angela. I'm in the air chair by myself today. Do you have a question or comment for this, for our listeners? Well, uh, I just uh, just uh, tuned in, actually, and uh, I see that uh, we're talking today about South Carolina and uh, what's going on in the Dominican Republic. Yes, sir. Oh, and Father's Day, of course, is for fathers. <laughs> and to you, brother, happy Father's Day. I know it's tomorrow, hey, but I just want to get it in now. Happy Father's Day to you also, bro. And to all the other fathers out there. Thank you. But but I um I'm uh, you know, I've been kinda stuck on um, you know, the news coverage of this uh this happening in South Carolina and um uh, it really shouldn't, you know, be a surprise to any of us that are, um, that, you know, have any, you know, kind of understanding of, of this uh, racist dynamic that happens here in this country. And, and I'm just surprised that it hadn't, hadn't happened uh, more frequently. Mm. Now, brother, why do you say that? Because just a few years ago, with President Obama in the White House, there's a lot of talk about is there a need for affirmative action. There was a lot of commentary about the post-racial America. Now, I thought it was all a bunch of hooey, to use a word that my grandmother may not protest against me using. Uh, uh-huh. what, what has happened? Did, did, the, did the people get it wrong? And I'm one who believes that nothing has changed except people are more emboldened to go public with their beliefs. What do you say on that? Well, you know, as, as far as, you know, what goes on in, in the hearts and minds of, of, of most bigots, I mean, it's it's obvious that, you know, it's something that they've learned and been taught. And, um, you know, the uh, dynamic that, that goes into, you know, teaching, uh, uh, you know, these minds, uh, that hasn't ever changed. I, I mean, I grew up uh, during a time of, of peace and love, you know, and and I had many uh, friends that were um, that were uh, white. Uh, we uh, were in college together, and it seems like um, you know there's a talk that goes on, uh, you know, between the parents and kids, uh, and that talk involves them. You know, uh, when they see their kids, uh, 
becoming too friendly with black folks, um, and and they remind them and 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 have this discussion about their place in society and how they can't be. Uh, uh, you know they can't lose sight of their place in society, and and you know a lot of of that you know has to uh, be supported, you know, with uh, 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 reasoning that will allow them to uh, exercise bias and 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 be uh, prejudiced and 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 be dismissive and and be you know all of these ugly things that uh, most racists are. So. You know, it's um, it's it's just a fab. It's it's a part of the fabric of our, 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 our of this nation, and I, I'd have to say this world. I mean, because it doesn't just happen in America. You, well, you're right about it not just happening in America. Uh, it happens all over. I have said it that does. colonialism is was a virus that spread across the ocean. And the vectors were those people in those ships who carried not only biological plagues and viruses, but also the virus of racism and colorism that has infected the rest of us so much that even people in the Caribbean who are on the same island would be willing to massacre, literally massacre, their brothers and sisters, simply because one of them tends to be lighter than the other. One claims African heritage while the other claims European heritage. They self-ID as Hispanic. That's happening in our hemisphere, and that's happening today. That is the virus that has continued to give, and it just keeps on giving. And, yes, you're right, it does affect America. But I, I do want to, before you go off the phone, before you get off the line, I do want to offer up a couple of potential solutions. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to change things 100%. do have to whittle away at it someplace. And I'm one who believes that sometimes you have to get to the root. And we know through social science and their studies, and for those who don't believe, you can Google it, that 88% that of white people are biased towards black people, 88%. That leaves 12% out there that aren't, but 88% are. And if you want to break that down by party affiliation with 47% Republican, 47% Democrat, that means there's quite a few white Democrats, as a matter of fact, the majority of them, who have some type of bias towards black people. Now, that doesn't mean that it reaches a point of racist acts, but it does mean that it's in their psyche someplace, and at some point it can impact us, right, because they're the ones that's in power. They're the ones that's calling the shots. Many have often wondered why after so many years of having Democratic presidents and Democratic politicians and leaderships in Congress, has the plight of black people not changed? And I would submit to you that this is a prime example, not the absolute cause, but we know that the majority of white people are biased towards black. We also know that these biases start as early as three years old. Now, here's one for you. This is the suggestion. We probably can't do much about what goes on in a person's house. But there is a place 
where the majority of our children and children in America go to for nine months of the year, 12 years out of their life, and that is schools, public schools. And I'm submitting to you today that the public school system does a lot to introduce and to enhance the biases that our our children and their children, their children being the majority population have. And they do this in the education system by omitting us black people, people of African descent, the entire African diaspora are removed from education in America because it is a Eurocentric education. And if we want to start changing this from a very basic level, the closest we can get to going into people's homes, we have to force, that's right, force. And when I say force, I don't mean force by guns. I mean force through the vote, through policy, sit-ins, write-ins, and every other type of method that we've known to be successful in the past. Force the education system to change the curriculum, to include and incorporate African slash African-American history and culture throughout all curricula, pre-K through 12 and schools of higher learning that are publicly funded. Because if we do not do that, our children will continue to have the same results from the dial test in the 2000s as they had in the 50s, which they have currently because they feel less than. And one of the reasons they feel less than is because they're not shown the greatness that is us. Many of them don't even know that we are the original people. Many folks don't know that we were the original people in the Americas, not the Asiatic tribes that many had led us to believe. That's anthropological science that can prove that and has proved it. We have to change the education system in America at the root level. Because history is not just taught in history classes. History is taught in the math classes. I use this, and I see you on the phone, and I know you want to talk, so let me, let me just get this piece out because this is something that we can all do. You know, this doesn't require a lot of money. We have to force the change in the education system in America. Most school board trustees don't even get 4,000 votes to win their office. So we're talking some low-hanging fruit here. I'm on the, I was a curriculum commissioner. I know the process, and there's probably many more out there that are black. We've changed the course criteria here so that it included merengue for our Mexican and Latino and Hispanic folks to share their heritage in the classroom. What? So that's an actual class. So we can do that with black history and culture in actual classes but I'm talking about something more in-depth, where European history is taught in every class and through every curriculum. African and African-American history needs to be taught in every class. So, for example, here's the, here's the nut of this. Pythagoras and the Pythagoras theorem, we all know about it, and we say that Pythagoras, a Greek, is the one who invented it. I've seen nothing to show that Pythagoras was actually a black man that went under a Greek name. So we hear that Pythagoras created the Pythagorean theorem. And for my Masonic family out there, listen good. We hear that Pythagoras created the Pythagorean theorem, which is how we build stuff. 
But do you know that Pythagoras went to Egypt, to Alexandria, to learn how to do mathematics, diagram theorem, where it had been used for over 300 years before he got there? How could that man have invented it and created it? But yet our education system in our math class have taught our children that. So it has taken away our greatness in mathematics. Copernicus, Galileo for astronomy and other sciences, when actually the Assyrians and many others created these things long before Europeans existed. It is important, and this is, this is marching orders for those who are willing to take this mission. We have got to change the education system in America at the fundamental level, at the roots, to include and incorporate African-American, African history and culture from pre-K all the way up to schools of higher learning. Those are our tax dollars and we're taxpayers. It's about time we exercise that muscle of those tax dollars that this is what we want. Now, brother, thank you for listening to that. I see I got more callers, so let me bring them on, and I hope that you'll continue to listen to the show. Good afternoon. You're on Our Own Voices Live. This is Rodney, your co-host. Do you have a question or comment to our topic today? Yeah, how you doing, brother? Um, I just got two comments. Um, first comment is, um, while this whole, you know, Charleston thing is, I mean, is above, above horrible, um, we just got to all make sure that we take a, a really – strong pressing lesson from this too many times in our society right now especially amongst our brothers and sisters you know we let things be flash in the pan that's what my grandpa would put it as you know we just we it burns fast burn quick and it's gone um we we got to remember that that this just wasn't um a murder or a hate crime this was an assassination somebody was a part of this of uh, the senate in south carolina who was killing them. Um, and the fact that we aren't even talking that angle to me is kind of troubling, considering that I think that the media um, doesn't really want to present that angle. Um, as far as my other comment, um, I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about um, our histories in the sense of um, the fact that our, our young brothers and sisters, we just don't do enough due diligence on learning. You know, I'm, I'm only 30 years old. I just recently turned 30, and, and um, I've been learning that the great things of our history, especially through um, our African history, it, you, you know, you're right. You know, it's been buried. Um, it's been um, it's been in its own way um, not taught to continue the the current standards of education today. And and you know, some of the strongest people say that you know when you want to control control people, you you, you teach the young. Um, Carter G. Woodson brought up this quote about saying that um, if the Negro um, if you teach the Negro that he has accomplished as much as good as any other race, he will aspire to equality and justice without regard to race. Such an effort would upset the program of the oppressor in Africa and America. Play up before the Negro, then, his crimes and his shortcomings, and then that will let him learn to admire the Hebrew, the Greek, the Latin, and the Teton. Leave the Negro to detest the man of African blood to hate himself. And if Carter G. Woodson hadn't wrote something so powerful back then, that rings true right now. I mean, we got Africa, you know, being ravaged for its resources. We got our brothers and sisters being removed from the from uh, 
from the Dominican Republic because of their Haitian descent. Um, every day, people are attacked on this basis, and um, not enough people want to solve the problem because at the end of the day, it doesn't ring true a problem to the economics of the situation. It doesn't ring true to the problems of, of other people. It's just the African problem. So I guess it's just, you know, diminished in some capacities. And we can't let that be well, so anymore. Well, brother, what, what's your, first of all, what's your first name? And I'm sorry for not asking that. My the name, of the, no, no problem, brother. My, my name is Carice, K-A-R-E-C-E. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Well, Carice, I'm glad you mentioned that piece about an assassination because we can look at, well, we can look, we can, this can be multiple things. Yes, it was an assassination. Yes, it was a massacre. Yes, it was murders. Yes, it was a terrorist act. So it's all of those things. And I think that we should treat it as all of those things. And the penalty that should be sought should be from whatever the highest one is and to include all of them if possible. You know, the pastor down there, and this was a rising star, and many may not know him, but he was a rising star not only there, but he was someone who could have been a leader to us all. That was the type of character that he had. That was the type of leadership and stewardship he had shown. And oftentimes when we have someone who rises up above what, many may expect and what others definitely may not want. They come to an untimely demise through assassination, whether it's Dr. King, whether it's Malcolm X, and we can go down the list. If we can go back to the history of the church, which I believe it's uh, Denmark Vesey, who was the one who tried to establish a slave rebellion. So the church has deep roots, and I wondered, did the perpetrator of this heinous act know the history of the church? It's possible, but I doubt it. But it is possible. Maybe he did. Sometimes they know our history better than we did. But I am glad that you brought that up because this was the silencing of a voice. Now, the name of the show is called Our Own Voices Live, which means we all have a voice. So they may have taken one voice through the pastor and nine voices total, but collectively with 13 million, and it didn't silence us all. So we need to learn it, you know, we need to know it, and then we need to tell it. We need to share it with those around us. And then we need to look for others who can fill the roles of people like this pastor. Uh, Many of those people were elderly. They've lived their lives. Who knows what they have accomplished to help in the movement during their time on this earthly plane. But we do have to look at what we can do, not just talk about it and not just lament how it used to be, but we have to be the doers now. And, Brother, you sound like you're a doer. I hope that you are. And do you um, have another comment that you want to share with us? Um, well, the final thing, I mean, and, I, and, and I'm glad that you presented it in such a way that you did. I just... Uh, I mean, before I go, I just I feel like the youth is so important, you know, because I I work with them for a living, and and you know all colors, and 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 I tell them all the same thing that you know that that so much of our society is driven by the the economic standards, so much of our society is driven by what people want you to see, you know, 
the 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 last comment that I really wanted to make about us as a people is that we must, you know, I agree that when we think about the voices being silenced, you know, we can't get too down on ourselves, too low on ourselves. But the decisiveness of our people sometimes, you know, you get you got some brothers and sisters saying, you know, don't pray to that white Jesus. Or you got some brothers and sisters saying that this flag isn't my flag. You know, th- those things, no matter how you may feel about those things personally, that is not the root of the problem right now. And, you know, so many brothers and sisters is because we sold it so control in some some fashions about this, you know, about the supremacy that we tend to forget that the enemy is the people that keep us where we're at, not not the ones who are trying to find a way out, you know, and 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 I think that theme we have to we have to relive that almost as much as almost as the education and things like that. The unification, people love to bring up our crimes, proximity killing that we're killing one another. Um yes yes it says that we gotta get our house right first. We 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 as people gotta get ourselves right first. But in the same breath, how are we gonna ever get right when there's something eternally keeping us from being right, from keeping us divided, saying that one isn't better than the other. You know, I mean, even now, something as stupid as light skin, dark skin, you know, these type of decisive, decisive things is what's been hurting us overall. And I just wanted to bring up that last point, too. All right, bro. Brother Karif, thank you so much for calling into Our Own Voices Live today and sharing your, your thoughts, uh, your opinions. I hope that you will continue to listen. Tell somebody about it. I hope there's something that was said today that helps act as a catalyst in you to help move you to that next step, to that next level of whatever it may be is for you as an individual because we all have our role to play. We just have to find it and then play it to the fullest of our capability. And I believe that you're out there doing your part. And that we, just, we need more and we need to keep on doing it. And like you said, not be discouraged. But there's always been bad. Just like there's been bad, there's been good. And in every moment of, unfortunately, great adversity, there's also moments of opportunity. You have to seize those moments and then run with it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you'll continue to listen to the to the rest of the show as I bring on another caller. All right, Brother Carice, with, with some very profound words. I appreciate them. I see my brother uh, Leonard is back on the line. Let me, well, I tell you what, before I go to Leonard, let me bring on another caller. Good afternoon. You're on Our Own Voices Live. I'm Rodney, your host. We're talking about the massacre in South Carolina. Also, that Father's Day is for <laughs> males, as well as what's going on down there in the Caribbean with the Dominican Republic and Haiti on the island of Hispaniola. Do you have a question or comment for us? Rodney, this is Tanya. How are you? Oh, my goodness. I am doing I, I I am inspired and encouraged. Thank you. Okay. Well, I, I, I just have a comment to make. Uh, my feelings in my heart is so broken behind uh, this massacre of my people. And so I really don't have a lot to say about that today. It just it still hurts really bad. And um, the continued um, injustices and harm that I've seen week after week is just kind of piled up on top of me at this point. And um, so that's all I'll say, that these individuals rest in peace. And um, I am prayerful that this individual will get 
his just rewards. And, and trust me, I'm not talking about forgiveness at this point. So um, the statement that I want to make is I'm an advocate of Father's Day being celebrated by men who are valued as being participants and the leaders in their homes with their families. Now, there are also men who are not with their families that also still do the same thing. They connect it, and I respect them ultimately for that. I get extremely frustrated when I see on Father's Day my mother, Happy Father's Day, and, and uh, this mahogany card that's out. It's just, to me, it's just extremely not even ridiculous, but it is, so, it is just another thing in the system to break apart black families. And 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 and, I, and families in general, because uh, um, it's out there even with uh, individuals that are not black as well. Um, so I want to say that uh, Happy Father's Day to all of you men out there, and I appreciate you and your kids and family do as well. And I also want to say to my lesbian sisters that I also love that you're not men, and that your children your significant other children's partners, wives, those children should be calling you mother and celebrating you on Mother's Day, not Father's Day. That is extremely confusing to children, and uh, it is also uh, devaluing what men are doing. And so you're a mother. Let's celebrate Mother's Day for mothers. I've heard there's a single parents day out there. It's not celebrated, but we need to respect Father's Day. And that's that's my only comment. Well, I thank you for that comment and a powerful comment indeed. I don't know if people know and, and Tanya, you can stay on if you like or you can you can go off but it's I, I want to make sure that people know the history of, of Father's Day. You know, Father's Day is not something that we've had around forever. And Father's Day actually came about because of a woman. As a matter of fact, multiple women is what led us to Father's Day. Because there was a Mother's Day first, and a Mother's Day was something that was petitioned by a woman. And when Mother's Day came about, there was a young lady whose father had done a lot for his family because his wife, her mother, had was no longer with him and passed away. And she saw all of this work that her father was doing, that she thought that he should be honored too. And then there happened to be a some massive death. I believe it was 300, someone fact-checked, but I believe it was about 361 miners were killed in a mining incident in Virginia. And of those 361 men that were killed, 250 of them were fathers. And they wanted to recognize these fathers, and this all kind of coincided right about the same time. And this is, and it was in a church service. And I, I believe it was an AME, but somebody fact-checked me on that as well. Just to go show you how important and integral churches have played in our lives throughout history. And a pastor went to do a service on this. And because of the deaths and because of the 4th of July holiday celebrations, this first sort of somewhat official, semi-official Father's Day celebration, it kind of sort of went unnoticed. 
but then it was brought back. And part of the rationale for Father's Day was because of the contributions that mothers give being recognized, that women, girls, a daughter in this case, and daughters after the minors incident, wanted to recognize the important role that fathers play in their lives and the lives of us all. And that is partly what led us to Father's Day today. Imagine that Father's Day originated because of something that a woman did for Mother's Day to recognize mothers, and that a daughter saw in her father and also a community saw in the loss of fathers and knew the importance that that was to that community, that they wanted to establish a day to recognize that role of father. And I want to thank those women who have long since gone for being willing to work towards the establishment of Mother's Day and Father's Day. And this month of June, obviously coming right after Mother's Day, right after May, that we take time to honor the Father. And Sister, thank, Sister Tanya, thank you so much for letting, reminding our folks, because maybe they forgot, for reminding yeah. of the purpose of Father's Day, the history of Father's Day, and also the confusion that it can bring with our children when we start mixing them up. And I'm also glad that you brought in our LGBTQQP uh, community in this discussion, too, because as America changes and they are put more into the fold, there are a lot of things that can confuse a lot of people. I'm a grown up man, and there's some things that confuse me with this, too. Thank you oh, yeah. for mentioning that and bringing it to our attention. Thank you for listening to our show. Did you have another Thank comment you. or anything you would like to leave us with? No, I'm good. Thank you so very much. Thank you for listening to us today, and hopefully you will continue to listen to us and Tell somebody what you heard today because we need to share and spread the voice, spread the word. I will. Take care. All right. Thank you, sister. I mean, we're just really getting some powerful commentary today. And that commentary, it doesn't have to come from a celebrity. It doesn't have to come from an athlete. It doesn't have to come from a politician. Sometimes the most profound things come from just that person next door, just like with the establishment of Father's Day, an individual who saw a need and then put action to words on the bringing that need to a fruition. And in this case, it's called Father's Day. And tomorrow, the third uh, Sunday of the month, is the designated time frame that in America and in a lot of other places, because Father's Day is even though it's an American creation, it's not just in America. Many nations throughout the world understand the importance to recognize fathers. And when we say recognize fathers, we make a big deal out of Mother's Day, and rightfully so. Oftentimes, Father's Day kind of comes and goes in past that you all will make it a little bit more than just a day to buy a card, but to take in the fullness of Father's Day and to recognize the important role that they have played in your life and in others' lives. And if you are a father, the important role that you're playing in your children's life and other people's. And for those who may not be a biological father, you may be an uncle, like my Uncle Jimmy was and is. He's still my uncle, but he was also my surrogate father because my father wasn't around. 
Maybe you have an Uncle Jimmy in your life. It's a great day to recognize it. Maybe it's a family friend, an acquaintance. Maybe it was just a neighbor who saw a little something in you for whatever reason and was there as best as he could be at that particular time when you may needed, have needed him the most. This is an opportunity to reflect on that and to reflect on your own role and to recognize the value of fathers. You know, the other part of our second show today was to talk about what's going on down in Haiti because it's Caribbean American Heritage Month. And this is a time when we should be celebrating. But it's a time when there's many who were born in the Dominican Republic who are Haitian ancestors will be put in detention camps and removed. There have been massacres on the border of Haiti and the Dominican Republic by the Dominicans of Haitian. Really, it's hate crime. Not much more than what we've seen in the rest of the world, whether it's Nazi Germany, Italy, some things that we've even seen in Mother Africa. It's all about hate. And hate has a way of growing like the virus that was colonialism and consuming us that others have towards us and become haters ourselves. You know, they say one of the most powerful things is love, and then love overcomes all. Now, I don't know whether that's just religious doctrine or that's from people who've lived a whole bunch of years and experienced that practical knowledge, which became corporate knowledge that they passed on. I do believe that love is a much stronger emotion for the individual than hate, that through love you begin to heal. Through hate, you only bubble infested, and then it'll spread to something else and to someone else. He said, I don't know if this is the moment for forgiveness for everyone. Maybe that's tomorrow for some and the next day for others. But what I will say is we can definitively say that this is a time for positive action to change our trajectory. I listed a possible means that would attack this from a foundation level, that it may take years for it to really come to fruition as they go through the school system. But I can assure you this, that the longer we take to implement it, further down the road we'll have to look before we'll realize its fruition. This is on us. This is not for someone else to do. This is not for the next generation to come along to do because there is no guarantee of another generation not with the freedoms that we have. This is not the time for taking up arms and just randomly going out harming people. That's what's happening to us. As a matter of fact, that because it's happened to us has incited many of you to want to do that. And we're the minority population. I believe we will be no more than those who are oppressive. And we should always strive to be the best that we can be. I have seen in athletics and academia where when black people have put their minds to it, even though they have barriers and multiple barriers and multiple layers of barriers, that they have overcome all of that to become the best in athletics, 
Owens and Wilma Rudolph, and I believe it was the 34 Olympics, that put really silenced Hitler's voice on his super race. Because even those lesser in America, those blacks, beat Max Schmeller, ran circles in the hurdles and in the sprint. In tennis, we've always been able to exceed expectations. We've always been able to start from a lesser point but achieve greatness. And I believe we still have that in us today. So that these things that we see happening to us, they are terrible and they are horrible. Our ancestors were slaves in this country. And as soon as slavery was over, they had some of the greatest advances in the shortest amount of time than has ever been seen in history before and up to now. Yes, we still have barriers in front of us today, but we don't have the shackles of slavery around our ankles to hold us back. Some of us may be mental slaves for sure, but there were mental slaves back then too. Plus, they had irons around their neck, their wrists, their ankles, but they still looked for an opportunity when they could escape their predicament and head to something better, nor up. We should be looking for those opportunities today, and we have many more freedom to achieve those opportunities than our ancestors. If, no, not if, they did it, so we can do it today. We can defeat this speech, achieve, and we have the ability to achieve even more than our slave ancestors. Keep that in the forefront of your mind as you go through the week and as you hear these things. They did it, therefore we can too. They did it, therefore we can too. We do not have to lower ourselves to the tactics of our oppressor because we can beat them with the tools that many of us have created and haven't gotten the credit for. We can do it. I believe we can do it. I know we can do it. I'm a child of the 60s. I've seen what we can do, and we can do it again. But we have to do it. We have to believe in it. We have to learn what we can learn, and we have to share what we've learned with others. We have to believe it, and we have to go about doing it. You know, I see other listeners and callers out there, and I thank you for being on our extended show of Our Own Voices Live today. For our topic is Father's Day is for Fathers, and Happy Father's Day to all the fathers who are listening. And our topic was what's going on in the Dominican Republic with their brothers and sisters from Haiti who share an island called Hispaniola, divided by their conquerors, the Spanish and the French, who both are part of the African diaspora where one claims its European ancestry. Self-ID, very similar to Rachel Doziel. Self-ID is something different from who they are biologically. And then we spent the majority of the show 
talking about the massacre, the murders, the heinous and terrorist acts that was committed by one person, but as we're finding out, had shared this information with others. No, we do have a responsibility of when there is wrong to speak up. And for some reason, those young men, black and white, who had heard their friend say he was going to shoot up a school, their surprise today is that it was a church and not the school. We have got to do something with our young people. We hear often that, oh, this group, maybe they are smart. Maybe they have the potential for better. But we know that 88% of white people are biased towards blacks. And we know that this young man who committed this act, I believe, was only 21 years old. So, yes, there's plenty of smart, but there's plenty of bad apples out there, too. And you know what happens to a barrel of apples when you have one bad one in it? This will spread. There will be more if we do not actively and quickly put in place measures that will change this. And it may take a while for it to change, but the sooner we start to change, the sooner the change can take place. And I mentioned we have to include, we have to incorporate, we have to integrate African-American history and culture throughout all curriculum pre-K through 12 and schools of higher learning that are all publicly funded. That's a start with taxpayers because not only does it teach us that we're less than as proof by the dial test in the 50s and the 2000s, but it also teaches them that they are more than, and that is something that's embedded in their psyche for 12-plus years. We have to put an end to it, and we have to do it now. Please share that with those who you're close to. And if you're not sure about it, talk to other people. Kick it around a little bit. Brainstorm on. We have to start someplace, and I say we get as close to the family as we can. And that's about as close as I know that we can get. Maybe you know. You can go to Our Own Voices Live on, and share your thoughts and opinions of the show on the topics and give us suggestions. You know, I also have a Facebook page called What Do Black People Want? The Black Agenda. What is it that we want? We have politicians already traveling the country looking for our votes for president, telling us what they will do for us, how much of what they're telling us is what we want them to actually do for us. And when is it time for us to tell our political, our public servant, aspirant, what it is that we want them to do for us? It is now is the time. But we have to know ourselves. We have to know. Do you know? Do you know? Not too late. You can learn. Go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook, on Twitter, YouTube, which is Our Own Voices all over. And, of course, to talk specifically about what black people want and what we can do, you can go to What Do Black People Want, The Black Agenda, on Facebook once again. Like the page, and let's put that collective brain power to work. Those folks did it after slavery, and some even did it during slavery, just the white people took credit for it. We can do it. My mother always told me, Rod, you can do it. You can do it, Rod. And her graduate in the history of our family in this country. We can do it. If we put our minds to it, and we want it bad enough, it's there for us to have. 
Thank you again for listening to Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. for those of you who listen back east. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, especially our East Coast listeners. I know you have such a variety to choose from as I'm originally an East Coaster. But I appreciate you supporting us with being on the lines and listening to us and sending in your texts and Facebook comments. I hope that there was something of value, whether it was talking about the brown bloggers or whether we talked about some of the history and just giving you a form to share your thoughts, your ideas, your opinions, maybe even just fit. Sometimes we need to have a safety valve. Well, thank you for allowing us to be a part of that that's in you today. And no matter how bad it is today, no matter how bad it is, if we want it, let's build it. The young lady says, She went to a blog and conference, and there was no one like us that she saw. And so she decided she would build her own house. Let's build our own house. Thank you again. Hope to see you next week. This is Rodney, and on behalf of my co-host, Angela Thomas, signing off for this edition of Our Own Voices Live. And once again, happy Juneteenth. The Freedom Day, Day of Jubilee, Happy Emancipation Day for Juneteenth, July 19th, 1865. And to those of you who are fathers of whatever capacity, Happy Father's Day, and may you enjoy your day, the men, the males, because this day is your day. Be blessed, but be energized and do something. Until next week. Put our own voices live. Thank you and bye-bye.